Martin Luther, oh, this means that the uh, podcast is starting. So, uh, Martin Luther King was out here uh, enjoying the people. He was enjoying the women. He was enjoying the Lord have mercy. I'm trying to make it as HR as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Live Controllers Podcast. Mercy, Taki McFly, Fifth Child. Out here. Man, let me go. Goddamn, say it. Yeah, say it. Yeah, Dr. Martin Luther the King, the King. was on them hoes. Yes, he was. There's uh, been books about yeah, it. He had a dream. Plenty of <laughs> He was dreaming. Wet dream. Wet dream. Hey, I like it. I love dreams. That's right. I like it. Okay. You see how I crisp man. all your ass, nigga? Hey, and, and guess what? It wasn't just with black women, too, though. No, no, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, he took some down through there for oh, the car. Yeah. I appreciate it. What better way to get back at the man? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. White folk, black folk. Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles. They can all get it. Boy, say they all can get it. Yeah, they all get the king. That nigga got his reparation. The king stroke. <laughs> we bullshitting out here. We need to go and get out goddamn shit. Like he going to come back and hunt. He going to hunt all our black ass. Like, no, no, no. I heard we what you nigga said on the podcast. <laughs> it was the truth, but you need to shut your mouth. Get no sleep anyway. Fuck it. Okay. Come on, anyway. Look, man, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Back Controls Podcast. We appreciate y'all tapping in with us, man. Episode 46. Uh, I go by the name of Cocky McFly. Across the table from me is my brother, Merc B. Wiggs. Merc, say hey to the people. I like what you did this week better than what I'm you right did last Thank week. Thank you so much. Uh, first of all, don't <laughs> cut me off. Please don't do that shit. Oh. You got it bad. <laughs> don't do that. Don't cut. Don't, do not cut off greatness. You shouldn't do that. The, the podcast can continue. Uh, also, no autograph. Also, also with us this evening is our good friend, always Fifth Child. Fifth Child, say hey to the people. Hey to the people. You got to figure out what he you did. Mean. He did. He followed the mission. Hey, you getting mad? But you don't know what you want to do. The last twelve times he been. Trying to say some shit in a different language. Hey man, let me tell you. Talk I, to be me. Be consistent. Don't talk to him. Listen, you don't do it. You do what you want to do. Cause can't, ain't nothing gonna satisfy this nigga. Obviously. <laughs> that man followed the directions. And you Who's got your DJ name? I remember that shit. It's, it's not for this podcast. Oh, I, you got a DJ name? <laughs> I man, do. Yes, it is. I, I'm, it's gonna come back to me. Yeah, uh, it is. Is it a different language? Or no. Anyway, I don't think it's corny. It, it's corny. It's corny. Well, uh, <laughs> well, you should. You made it up. The real reason we are here, we got a special guest in the building. This is our good brother, our good friend, and advocating for the people. Because he is for the people. Y'all give it up for our good brother, John Span. John, say hey to the people. Hey to the people. <laughs> the only Power to the people. He's he not the only one. The only nigga that ever did it. Don't tell <laughs> me to be quiet because you're wrong. Well, I'm talking about the guest. That's why you talk to me. Anyway, so look. <laughs> really, John, I'm the reason John, that people ain't. John, no, you should want me to talk. You really not. <laughs> so, uh, John, we thank you so much for coming in, man. Look, we're going to wrap with our brother, and we're going to get into some real black-ass talk. Uh, y'all, Like history ta- month, y'all. Yeah, y'all stay tapped in. We out here. So, yeah, man, look, again, we got our special guest in the business. We got John Spain. Uh, first of all, 
Congratulations, brother. Oh, I appreciate you. you a public congratulations. You are engaged. Yes, uh, yes. He is an engaged well, Congratulations. Man. I'm off the market, man. He is you off the market. Yeah, you was out the market before that. <laughs> yeah. You may not have known. You, you may not have known. known. <laughs> you off the market. So yeah. uh, just give a little background to the people outside of the engagement, man. Let the folk know who you are, what you do. Okay. Uh, Native Jacksonian. Well, well, not actually. Not, we have bad way of by way of uh, Columbus, yeah, Mississippi. Yeah. I remember you too. North, North, mm-hmm. six, six, two, and then That's right. That's right. So, um, actually, born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but mm-hmm. raised in Columbus, Mississippi. Was there f- till 1997. Well, you destined to work with black people. <laughs> <laughs> was there till 1997. Till my dad passed away. He was a politician, local politician there in Columbus, a uh, long time city councilman and like i think he did like circuit court judge or circuit court judge or something like that um anyways moved here my mom went to murrah graduated she mm. now she she from jackson you know what i'm saying <laughs> north side not northeast jackson she from skyline drive you know what i'm saying right across shady oaks. yeah shady oaks right across a couple blocks down from mega ever's home mm-hmm. um you know what i'm saying uh my my uh grandfather was a bus driver hit her her um her father was drove for j train for so many years uh he retired now he's a he's been a longtime preacher um, but uh, he kind of he wanted to retire and move out of Skyline, move to Clinton. So he got him a nice piece of land <laughs> in Clinton, Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? But Steel Hands County. Yes, yeah, Steel Hands mm-hmm. County. Uh, but I moved. I moved to the Jackson Metro area um, around '97, '98, and uh, you know, be real with you, my mom put me in private schools. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was in private schools when I was in Columbus, so um, she didn't want to do anything different. So I ended up graduating from St. Andrews Episcopal School, uh, went to Mississippi State, and when I came back home, I decided to, I stayed with my mom for a little bit, and then I got off my, you know, got on my feet and everything, and I moved to Jackson, and I've been, I've been in Northeast Jackson for definitely, like, more than six years, I think, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well, I, shoot, like, I've been, like, a resident. Yeah. more than like six years so mm-hmm. you know i've been i've been here you know what i'm saying been been locked in with the politics obviously with the history um and then um worked with the mississippi department of archives and history mm-hmm. um long time I'm, I'm by trade i'm a museum curator and yeah. um, museum professional and historian public historian will be clear i'm not an <laughs> academic I can be if you want me to be, but I'm really for the people. Like, I yeah. want the people to understand the history. So, I'm a public historian um, by trade. And now I work with, you know, I was the first curator of education for the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. And then uh, eventually, for I worked for the two Mississippi museums, which encompasses the Civil Rights Museum and the, two, um, the State History Museum. And now I work for the Mississippi Humanities Council as the program director. Um, and what we do is we funnel uh, government funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities through the Miss- through the state of Mississippi to uh, humanities entities across the state, um, making sure that local people are uplifted with funds to tell their own stories. That's what's it. So that's what well, I do. So what was your experience I, as a black kid? You went to St. Andrews, and I'm pretty sure you had several fans who probably attended, mm-hmm. like, JPS and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, 
and then now you know having you know gone then you go to Mississippi State so it's kind of the same looking world and then you know now you right you back in Jackson but you really diving into a whole lot of the black stuff mm-hmm. like kind of talk about that journey like how maybe you know the the, the background of you know your educational background kind of shaped it yeah worldview shaped it and then how that kind of encompasses what you're doing now well uh i will i will be the first one to say that my dad may he rest in peace really put that blackity blackness in me because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. when i when he was living like he had he literally had a mount rushmore painting Mm-hmm. And he put it in my room, but it wasn't the white folks. It was, was Marley the King, Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. Malcolm X, and some people that I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And be honest with you, like as a young kid, like kind of scary. It's kind of scary because like you you sleep with the lights off, and then you got these men, ominous men on the mountain. Frederick top, Douglass, look, yeah, looking at you, yeah, looking at, looking down. And like. you 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 know you five years old, six years old, and you know he's not really telling you. He's just saying you know who these people are, but he's not really telling you why they're important. So um, I hate that he didn't get a chance to tell me because I know that he really wanted to because he was already putting little seeds in my you know putting stuff in my room mm-hmm. telling me stuff about Africa you know because he he had said that he had been to Africa and things like that and met um, people and you know like I wanted to know more mm-hmm. but like as a six year old seven year old you know this thing is too, too hard to comprehend so anyways fast forward um you know, as a as a young child going to a, a private school, and you like seven, eight years old, and you're around white kids, it's not. It wasn't necessarily that bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we were living in Mississippi and going to school in Alabama. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom actually is a doctor of pharmacy, and she worked at the VA hospital in Tuscaloosa. So, anyways. It wasn't that bad. Now the thing, when it got bad, when it got crazy, was when we started moving into, you know, middle school, high school. And you know, I went to when we moved here. Y'all may know Saint Mary, mm-hmm. Saint Mary uh, Church, Catholic Church, mm-hmm. behind Provine. Yeah. yeah. So the first, the first private school I went to when I moved here is third grade. It was Saint Mary Catholic School. And I was with a whole bunch. There was no nothing but niggas, nothing but black folks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that was the first time I had uh, black teachers too. Mm-hmm. And sure. I, I loved it. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, the reason I loved it is because I felt like they really cared about me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then also, some of the teachers knew my mom well, and they had grew up with my mom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they're like, oh, Sheila is back home with her kids. You know, she's going through a hard time because her husband died. Like, I'm going to make sure that John and my, sister, and my sister Christina are taken care of. So, I felt the love there. Yeah. And then immediately after that third grade year, uh, we went to a, like, evangelical Christian white school. I ain't going to call it out, but it was in Clinton, Mississippi. <laughs> and that's when things started to change, man. Like, I knew I was a smart kid. Never was told nothing different. You know what I'm saying? When I was in white Catholic schools in, in Alabama, like I was competing well, like A's and B's with, with across the board, right? And so I didn't know anything different. Never saw a C in my life. Going to this school and these white kids 
they starstruck that I made all A's. And I'm like, what you talking about? Like, the black kids I went to school with, like, they was making all A's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, this was, I ain't never went to school with no dumb folks, especially at private schools, but went to this school, and you had kids making C's in, in English, you know, and it, we, we in fourth grade, you know, C's. <laughs> and, and so that that's when I really saw the racism because mm-hmm. it's like, how did you make that? How did you do that? How did you, what did you do? Um, and then on top of that, there, you know, then there was like some people who were just less fortunate who were white and they didn't believe that I belonged where I was, you know what I'm saying? Like they felt like I was a affirmative action thing, you know what I'm saying? Instead of like my parents couldn't afford this stuff, you oh, know what I'm saying? Mm. So you got a little scholarship money. Yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. We trying to we trying to de this place up, you know. Uh-huh. And then when the grades came out, then they was looking stupid. So it was it was hard then. Like I didn't understand it. Like I was a, I was a young kid. Like I was in fifth sixth grade, and I thought these white kids were my friends. Mm. And then when grades came out, they had turned on me. And then what really what really messed me up is when this school only went to sixth grade. And so my mom, you know, wanted to put us, you know, keep us in excellence. She wanted to go to the private schools. Again, this is my mom. So she sent me to go look at JA. She sent me to go look at another school. And I'm thinking I'm going to JA this whole time. Thank God I didn't go. And next thing I know, she did a pivot. She was like, you can go to this school and take this test. And it was St. Andrews. And I took the test the same day. And then they uh, told me the same day that me and my sister had got in. Mm-hmm. And so the next day I go to school and they were asking us, you know, it was sixth grade. It was like, you know, friends like, hey, where y'all going to go to school? Seventh grade next year. And kids was going to stay in Clinton and do the, and go to public schools and stuff because this school didn't go to sixth grade at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm about to go to St. Andrews. And like, nobody wanted to fuck with me. Like, none of the white kids. They was like, how the fuck did you get into St. Andrews? Mm-hmm. And I was like, and honestly, I did not know shit about St. Andrews other than my mom said, go take this test. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know nothing about it. Like, only thing I knew was J.A. Because I had went to their, like, basketball camps and stuff like that. And my, uh, my mom's beautician's daughter had been, like, one of the first black girls to graduate and do well at Jack, J.A. And she played basketball and stuff and went on. So, like, that's how I knew J.A. And I didn't know nothing else. And these kids were like, my mom can't afford J.A. I was like, I couldn't even pass the test. How did you get in? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I literally had friends stop talking to me. Like, they couldn't believe it. So, that was, like, the first, like, real hit of, like, some racism <laughs> right there like mm-hmm. because I'm black and I didn't know how to take it I really didn't know how to take it yeah uh, I remember my mom you know you have sixth grade graduation she got me a, a limousine and wanted to take my me and my friends to the after party your mom was with the shit she was she, she <laughs> right. wanted to let them white folks know right yeah. you know what I'm saying that's I'm what she was stun yeah, on yeah I'm pretty yeah. stunned on y'all I'm yeah tell y'all what I, what I and, can do for my baby and they were so fucking yeah. jealous man yeah they want to ride with me that the black kids with me that was cool but like I, I thought I was friends with everybody but mm-hmm. they no we'll we'll ride ourselves well my mom's gonna take me oh okay <laughs> oh, okay well you ride you riding that raggedy beauty it's fine <laughs> 
Like, nothing wrong, wrong with it, but you know, I was, I was like, I knew what it was. It wasn't, it was because they was, I felt like it was a little racist. I don't think they was hating on me. I think it was because like if it was one of the other kids who was white and, and popular or whatever, and they had a limousine, they say, hey, everybody can ride with me. They'd all be in there trying to, you know, pack up in there. Yeah. You know? But anyways, um, so really that was like the bulk of it. You know what I'm saying? When I went to St. Andrews, um, I really found a good group of friends that are still my friends now. Like, they're gonna be my groomsmen and, and you know, at my wedding and yeah. We've been we've been longtime friends. We in group chats and stuff. We've been we've been tight since seventh grade. Um, white and black. You know, uh, definitely, definitely hit some, some, uh, racist stuff at San Andrews. I ain't gonna lie about that, but it was not like the stuff I had in Clinton. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then other, other folks I saw went through some racist stuff that we had to like stand up for each other. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. make sure that they knew that we weren't about to just like let that go under the rug. Like either you, you got to deal with this, you got to deal with all of us kind of thing. Um, and then you fucking with black people with some money. You know what I'm saying? Like, you fucking with black people with money. You fucking with black people with a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. You know, you got folks who... I went to school with senators, sons, and representative daughters, and things like that. You're just not going to just fuck around with their kids. Yeah, you know that's what I'm a saying? different level of... And we was kind of talking about that a little bit. Just, mm-hmm. you know, the, the different levels of blackness and black folk in Jackson. Mm. Uh, and... You know, you and you got a chance to experience a world that most a blackness that most folk won't even get a chance to tap into. Like that's a whole damn near on some secret society shit. Like we on some, you, you know, not that's that really. blue lake, the blue yeah, lake stuff. Yeah, 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 for real though. But it's on some elitist yeah. like super type shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these folk in a group, and you, we all go to certain schools and stuff like that's that. True. Like we fuck with black people, but we don't fuck with black people. Uh, yeah, yeah. and so, sometimes it yeah. sucks being in that because you're like, damn, like yeah, I like, really don't want to, like I, I'm not trying to act like that. You yeah, know like saying? I want to hang with you niggas, but I want to go to see you. That, that <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. yeah. I'm trying. I'm not trying to be bougie. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I really want to. I think I've, I, you like you said, like my mom made sure that. Yeah, I knew that side, but I also like my dad side of the family, my mom's side of the family. They're not rich people you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. my mom and dad worked hard for what they had Mm -hmm. and then they put me and my sister where we are and I thank God for it but at the end of the day when we was coming home we was not you know like y'all not like that no we was like no you gonna learn about this too like these Mm -hmm. your cousins these they just like you they just family just like you you know and so uh, I think a lot of people often mix me up sometimes with that they think I'm like stuck up or whatever cause they oh you went to St. Andrews and stuff like that but like I'm I'm not I'm not that old guard type of thing you know well you know and <clears throat> this is something I've been I've been wanting to ask you about is that I think that in some cases your your thought process and the way that you have processed race sometimes can be more evolved than others because it's something that you've literally had to encounter and think about every day, not only growing up through school, 
but even in your professional career mm -hmm. every job that you've worked at has like mm -hmm. race has been the forefront of a lot of conversations that you've had you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying whereas like me going to people's mm -hmm. middle school when i went there i was just black like everybody else so yeah. it's like me being black wasn't a topic of every conversation yep. now i was already like starting to immerse myself in in black history and knowledge of myself and you know and what blackness meant to me you know uh in middle school and high school but the fact that i was black just wasn't you know what i'm saying it is that that wasn't something that i had to put on every day it was just and, and so I didn't also didn't have that like burden of representation. Like when I'm going out here, it's not just me representing myself. It's like, oh, they're going to think every black exactly. person is like that. So that while that was now, I'm not even going to say that was my PWI experience, because at that point, I just didn't care. I was just me. I was yeah. I was more so representing Jackson and I was definitely a black dude. But I was so like that was far from my mind that I was. Yeah. You know, but I want you to take some time to, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because <clears throat> I I feel like, and, and, and it's not, I don't want to say it's a burden, but like as, especially going through high school and you doing different internships and you moving around and you trying to put stuff on your resume that makes you stand out for college and you get different scholarships and stuff, right? You are often in places where white folks are, right? You often in places where uh, some of the elite are and sometimes in these spaces they'll try you you know what I'm saying meaning that like you know you can't be if you if you yourself let's say you yourself like me I like you know I like uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony and I like Coldplay you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. I like Dave Matthews Band and I definitely love 3-6 Mafia you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and when I was a kid I grew up listening to Master P Mr. Ice Cream Man was like my shit you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. so but like <clears throat> I can't. I can. I can. I can be that. I can be. There's a duality. There. Shoot. There's more than just two things going on in my head. But like, it was like, white folks was like, "Oh man, you're not what I thought you were." You know what I'm saying? And like, you're not like those black people. And then I'm like, "What? what? Like, right, 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 yeah. right." And so, like you said, I had to make sure it was. It was every day. Like sometimes I felt like every day I'm checking people. Like, first of all, that's not where we're gonna go. Second of all, not only am I black, you like, you know, I'm multifaceted and things like that, you know, because right off rip, a lot of white folks who don't have the didn't have the privilege that I had. And I will say that I, I was a black person with a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. OK, um, there was a lot of white people that did not have privilege that I had in, in this state. And then they had assumptions of me that I would be in this box that was palatable, that they could, you know, whatever. And then, like, they could say the N-word and stuff around me. And it's like, yo, no, we ain't going that way. Uh-uh. You know, like, and there has been some fights. There has been some, you know, some loss of friends because it's like, yo, I I don't know where you at, and I don't feel safe <laughs> around you. So, like, I'd rather, you know, be distance myself. I mean, I've literally had people who... Because it, it was just like a, it was just like they didn't, they act like they didn't see race, literally. Like they didn't see color, literally. And meaning that they didn't see me. You know what I'm saying? And so like, I felt like I had to always speak up. 
because if I didn't speak up, they would like look over me. You know, if I did not be, if I did not stand out in some type of way, they would just, oh, John doesn't want to do it. Well, he didn't say nothing, you know, and they would just be, I'd be complicit Mm -hmm. in in their shenanigans. So I would always feel like I had to speak up for myself. And then in turn, I'd be speaking up for black people. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, the white folks I was around, I was the only black person that really, you know, like, they, they would say that they had black friends, but they didn't really had black friends. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And then they didn't have black friends that I guess were bold enough to check them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of white guys growing up, I mean y'all barely experienced this. White guys, they they, they want to be so cool with black folks. They want to be so cool with the black dude. Mm-hmm. And you the only black dude in the space. You know what I'm saying? So they feel like they need to be able to talk. Like you, like they think you that talk. you think you talk, like Man, and listen like to the music that they, they think they, they listen think you to. Listen to is annoying. Oh, having oh, having conversations with DNA's about Snoop Dogg and Dave Chappelle, and you just be like, yeah, I don't listen to this. Shit I mean, like, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's so much more to it, but they just these are the things that we see that black people like a lot, so we get into them. And right, that's and, how we'll try to be friends. And it'd be it'd be like they trying to tell me about my culture. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, if I didn't listen to the new album that came out, like, you don't like them? Oh my God, they're like the. Da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah. I'm not about to sit here and listen to you diagnose hip hop and rap to me. Like, you, <laughs> I'm not about to get your. I don't want to. I don't care. You know. Yeah. So that stuff was annoying. You know, and y- y'all, like you said, y'all have experienced it a little bit. But like, I felt like every day I had to speak up for myself, and I had to be. Um, I had to. I had to be always on my toes and think outside the box because I just hate I hate to say it like you know like a lot of times I was the only like my grandmother always say you the only fly in the milk boy you know what I'm saying you only specking the you only specking the cream and if you don't if like and that's and if you, that space and a lot of black folks who've experienced that if you don't speak up you will drown you know they will try to wash you out and they will literally say well she's he or she or they are not like them so like we can we can do what we you know we can keep doing the programmers I mean I, I literally had a teacher one time at St. Andrews ask me one time I was a junior he said he pulled me out of the class he said John can you stay out of the class and as a history teacher he goes uh, John and I was the I was not I was I was two it, I was two of it was I was one of two black kids in the class and he says John, um, would you mind if uh, we skipped over the civil rights movement and go into the Cold War? I just think it'd be kind of time-consuming if we go if we do both. Bro, you gotta be freaking kidding hey, me! At, like, like, and I, he pulled me out always in class, like I was a spokesperson for the Black Coalition. You know what I'm saying? He's like, John, what do you think? What, what, what's your opinions about blackness? What, what do black people think about this? But like, he pulled me aside and he literally said. I want to skip over the civil rights movement. How would you feel if we just moved to the Cold War? And I had to literally tell this man how to teach his class. I'm like, I know for a fact you can teach the civil rights movement and the Cold War at the same time because it happened at the same time. And I'm literally telling him how to teach his class, right? And now I'm a cool dude, so I let it I told him how I felt. He didn't he didn't skip it. 
let it slide. He pulled that same shit with my sister the next year, mm-hmm. and Christina went to Dean students and got his ass nuts. fired. Right. Two yeah, two weeks later, I he was gone. Believe it. I two weeks later, he was gone. Believe it. She about that ass. She about that. Now, see, now I, I told him how. Like, if I tell you how, if you give me a space to talk, and I tell you how I feel, and you do what I say, I'm a tr- I'm not gonna trip. I'm not gonna snitch on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, fine. But she was like, yeah, I'm going to tell you how I feel. And I'm going to snitch yeah, on your no. ass. Right. <laughs> right. Right, right, But he deserved to leave anyway. Because, like, what the hell? Like, come on. And, and you know what? I've noticed that um, as as somebody who is a an avid fan of Jeopardy. Like, I love Jeopardy. When my son was first born, yeah. we he would lay on my chest and we would watch Jeopardy. He was, uh-huh. like, a few days old, you know. And so, um, and I always noticed that. And this is, this is a good segue into, like, really talking about black history. Mm-hmm. But... Academia, Western academia is just very Eurocentric. And you can ask these Jeopardy contestants about the 13th, you know, ruler of Spain and his ex-wife's third child's middle name. And they can tell you all this stuff. Or or like about different authors and books and I mean down to everything. But do you ask someone something about like 20th century like African American, they don't know anything. Right. I mean, like, basic stuff. I'm like, oh, so y'all just don't know. I mean, these are folks like, you got $80,000 on on Jeopardy in two episodes, and they ask you a question dealing with niggas, and you have no clue. Niggas from from 10 years ago. Right. And you don't know anything. Last year, niggas, like, pop culture shit. Yeah. You you don't know nothing. You tell me you don't know anything about black folks yeah, yeah. And, it, and that just always baffled me and I'm like but you know what how surprised can I be because even in my you know predominantly black school district we learned about three people yeah and we only learned about them in February I was actually mm-hmm. recording <laughs> I was recording a token talk podcast uh-huh. the first time I ever heard the name Vernon Damer mm. and you were the person who said it <laughs> yep and I was like Vernon I was like, who is Vernon Damon? And I had to look it up. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a dude from Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg, man. Yeah. Was it Forest County? Forest County. From Forest County. Yeah. Did all this stuff and all this amazing work. And I'm like, I've, I'm in my, at they this point, late they, 20s, they early 30s, nigga. never even heard of this man. And see, that's the, they want you to not know about him. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They, they don't want you to know about any of these people. Yeah, could they kill? That's and obviously they've given they've given a new name to all of this stuff in academia. You know, they've called it CRT now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know they're passing all this legislature in these different states to not teach it. Um, they only tell you, as far as I mean, even even the three people that they talk about every year in the same month, even the knowledge of those three people is diluted. Thank That's you. true too. Uh, Thank you. They tell it, it's the same way they talk about Jesus. They only tell us the palatable version right. of Christ. Preach. They never talk to us about the Jesus that came in the synagogue flipping over the table. There you go. Right. They don't want you to know that the real Christ. Yeah. That or, that going. He, or that he was <laughs> that not going. Uh, the <laughs> one who walked on the water. Right. He said, "Turn the other cheek." Yeah. Or, or you know if. To more true, or they don't want you to know that Christ was a man of color. Yeah, uh, he looked more like Osama bin Laden. He, he looked like he don't look like 
goddamn yep. Kevin Zorbo. No. He, that's not who he looked like. A Fabio. Or a Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. You know what I'm so, saying? You know, and, if, and, if, and, if I get to heaven and Jesus look like Fabio. He's like Kevin Nash. <laughs> I'm going to be. <laughs> that's good. The only blue-eyed, blonde-haired <laughs> man. Yeah, you're back tonight. You talking about, <laughs> you talking, you talking about mad? I'm going to be like. This, nah, fuck this. What other dope? Like this, the wrong gate right here. Boy, <laughs> yeah. this like, these not the gate. These not. The I can't per- These not the gates of pearl. These no, looking like diesel now. I can't but, unsee it. But these. But what? it goes back to your point uh-huh. of the. I call it the black box. Okay. That's what it is. That's the the black box is every white person's definition of what black people are. It is the black box. They right. put everything that they think black folks are in this box and they define all of us by what's in this box Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll can you know until they meet you know us uh, well yeah I will say you and Christina until they meet (laughs) one of us Uh and then we have to educate them Um, or until we meet one of us because we put ourselves in the black box too Uh, I will say that so until we meet one of us and we're open to correction and, that, uh, and communication and, and being taught and educated more about people that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, so. I, I've, I've, I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes I don't realize how much I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back or nothing like that. No, but like my, my fiance, you know, knows a whole bunch of shit. I mean, like she's a public historian herself. And been in the New York Times twice and the BBC, you know, CBS. Like, she more famous than I am. Like, she worldwide. Folks from Pop England writing her. You better pop her shit. Like, yeah, that's my fiance. Right. That's my woman. Pop shit. her shit. You know what I'm saying? And hey, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes she'll hey, be like. Hey, man. <laughs> you on fire tonight. You, hey. Hey, I'm, you good? Hey, you know what? I was listening to Young Gifted and Black on the way over here by Jay Z. So you know, I'm I'm feeling it. He's warmed up, <laughs> warmed up. But uh, you know, she sometimes being like, "Oh, John, I didn't know that." You know, like, and sometimes I'll be like, "Cause I'm like, you don't know that." <laughs> like, she'll be like, "John, don't look at me like that." I love to learn, you know. And so I have to realize that like, not this information, like you said, ain't privy to all of us, and it should be. Like Vernon Damer should be not only a Mississippi hero but a national hero, yeah. you know. Like we 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 starting to pick up more about Mega Evers and Fannie Lou Hamer, right? We starting to pick up uh, more information, uh, even about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, that they're not who they say they were. You know what I'm saying? Martin Luther King wasn't just passive, and Malcolm X wasn't just a militant. You know what I'm saying? It's so much more to those men, and I'm glad we're learning more about it. And there's more uh, TV shows about. It. There's more research done um, that that is, I guess, made in a intriguing way to make people want to learn. Because that's another thing. History can be boring, and I understand. You know, sometimes, oh, man, that's just boring. I get it. And it's up to us as public historians and historians and whatever educators, teachers, to make it in a way like make it relatable. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially when you when you bring these youth into museums. First thing, I mean, they own their phones. This is be real. They own their phones. White, black, whatever. They not. It don't. It ain't no disrespect. That's just the culture. That's just what we live in. Here. Everybody on their phones. If you make it to where 
it's exciting for them to connect. If you make it to where they got no choice but to put their phone down to have fun, to to pick up what you're putting down, you know, um, you got to think outside the box. You know, sometimes you got to work with them. A lot of these kids now, like people want to throw them away, but you know, they want to learn just as much as we did when we was growing up. But it's not put to you know things change the way we educate ourselves change you know the way i was educated and in, in high school where we educate in high school is different now you know it's a whole bunch of computers and things like that and so if we make it if we turn that education around and bring them in in a way that's like more intriguing and, and, and exciting i think they'll be more in, more interested in their own history because i mean it's it could be hard like you talk about you let's say you talk about slavery like I was at my my own church right yesterday, we did a Black History program right, and but we did a Black History play that was tied into faith and religion and stuff. But beforehand, we had somebody get up and just talk about slavery, and it was just dead. The spirit just left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I know I understand what they were trying to do, and I get it. Like put some context why we're here, but kids want to know what's the future. You know what I'm saying? Where we going? Mm-hmm. We don't want to just talk about. These kids know about slavery. You know what I'm saying? We, but why we gotta stay there? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they, Frederick Douglass and Jordan Truth didn't stay on the plantation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They escaped. They left and they created a future mm-hmm. for black people. You know what I'm saying? And so our ancestors, Mega Evers, Fannie Lou Hamer, like they didn't just stay where they were. They kept moving. You know what I'm saying? So how can we do that today? Like, I'll just say that like we are Black History. Like what you doing, Stephen? Black History. What y'all doing? You know, Carrie Merck, Black History. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can look at ourselves as change makers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, see ourselves as okay. I got my lane. I'm going to stay in this lane because I feel like not only am I good at it, but I can touch somebody. Yeah. With my gift. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you don't know who down the line is listening and following you that can also be changed. And then guess what? As a ripple effect, they do, they get in their lane, they change other people. But it starts from from you, from us. You in the pool pit right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Come on, Jen. So I, I think as 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 black southerners, specifically, our experience is different. Mm-hmm. And what it's almost like is being inside of a house that burned down. You mm. stand around and looking at the ruins. And it's like, yeah, it looks bad to me from here, but sometimes I don't even recognize the gravity of it at, because it's all I see every day. That's all yeah. I know. As opposed to somebody that's in the Midwest or on the West Coast or on the East Coast, not saying that they didn't experience um, any type of oppression or the the coldest brutalities of the of um, of the civil rights movement, but I think that being a black Southerner is is I don't know. I, the only thing I can say is it is it hits different because you can still see it. Cause because absolutely. if you go, yeah, you can go see what it looked like in the Delta. Because right. it's still there. It's it's like still if there. you ride through there, talk about it. It's like it's Bro, still I, there. I was in Ruleville Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like as you pull in, 
home of Fannie Lou Hamer. And it's like, I'm there for something totally unrelated to that. But it's yeah. like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm I'm just glad that that's even there. But, but, then if you, but also, if you just go ride through the, like the downtown areas, mm-hmm. yeah. like, go, go to Crystal Springs. Still the same. It don't same. look like a Nelson Street, historic Nelson Street in Greenville, Mississippi. It used to be uh, uh, like a booming yeah. Yeah. strip with blues clubs and black bi- black blues clubs businesses things like that now you just see remains of what it used yeah. to be yeah. so you got to ride through there with somebody at age what did, what did you you know they got to they got to teach you about what it was like like, so, like mound bayou too mound, like yeah. mound bayou for sure all this stuff mound like it's it's new, there are new things there mm-hmm. but that old stuff still there it's not like that if you go into bigger cities outside that, that, of this is what i want to say yeah you know we talking about the delta now and i love the delta you know and do we yeah i know y'all from the delta yeah. you know what i'm saying um and you know i had the pleasure of having a class at mississippi state uh that was taught by jason ward who wrote um the book called the hanging bridge about the infamous hangings that happened in shibuta mississippi mm-hmm but he, he was my professor in this class called the History of Mississippi Delta. And uh, it went through spring break. And so during that spring break, a part of the class to, to pass it, you had to go to the Delta for a whole week, wow. right? Mm-hmm. And so that whole week changed my life, you know? Like, I, yeah, like I was, I, but when I graduated, I applied to four law schools mm-hmm. and I wrote my, my, my entrance paper, like my entrance, uh, what you call it, essay on my experience in the Delta and how I wanted to like change it right mm-hmm. um, it was so mysterious to me because everybody was talking like I was talking like it, things aren't there things aren't they, they was, it was here then it's not there but it's still majority black but like why is it not where's the economic development things like that and then as I got older and started doing more research and I've been you know in the, not only in the museum space but I'm going around the state talking to other folks who are doing community work and community building i'm finding out that wasn't that an accident it wasn't no accident yeah. no. And, and, and it's a it's just the same families the same families that had the plantations back then they still got the control now wow. you know and the delta wow. council the delta council now i'm gonna just say the delta council mm-hmm. wow. they they are the main ones that is pulling the strings in the delta man they they keeping the status quo the way it is because only some people get the money and the rest, you know, it's just... Is that like, is it similar to the White Citizens Council in Jackson? It's, it's, it's not like that. It's not like that. It's more like, so like the Citizens Council was created solely to continue segregated schools, right? Okay. And it started in it started in Indianola and expanded throughout the whole country. Mm-hmm. Um, the Delta Council is just families who have a lot of economic power. They got a lot of land. Mm-hmm. And they control a lot of the area in the Delta, right? Mm-hmm. And so they meet and they really can say who comes and goes in the, in the Delta. What businesses stay, what businesses go. What mayors, what mayors come, wow. what mayors go. You know what I'm saying? And so I was even like my, my homeboy, uh, Dr. Bobby J. Smith, he just wrote a book called Food, Power, and Politics, the Mississippi Food Story, the Mississippi Civil Rights Food Story. And he can't. He was a uh, Mega Merle Evers um, uh, fellow for for the uh, MMEI from Mega Merle Evers Institute. Came down here in Mississippi and at, during his doctoral candidacy at uh, Cornell and worked on 
food policy because he's a farmer and stuff by, by, by trade and he's also a sociologist and things like that. And he saw how the food blockade, the Greenwood food blockade in 1962-63 continues until 2023. Man, it's freaking four. Crazy. It's still a twenty twenty four. But it's, like, food how, but basically, how he's saying he basically saying how food was used as a weapon during the civil rights movement. Basically, they used food to say, "Hey, this is even though you're getting this free food from the government, this is your subsidy that we gonna hold it from you if you sign up to vote." Wow. Yeah, they starve people wow. for registering to vote. Wow. And they continue to use food as a weapon in the Delta now. There's no freaking way. Well, healthcare that, now. He- yeah, healthcare. That's because you that, see all of the, the hospitals, all the hospitals, hospitals in shut down. They shut down, so now healthcare is being used as a weapon. That's true, but so there's we, there's yeah. no there's no really fresh gro- fruit grocery no stores, fresh food grocery stores there. Nope. It's a food desert in that fertile land. Right where the man, oh, where wow. You can grow, Everything go everything, but you got to go to the Family Dollar to get <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, Dollar General. Because yeah. your, your nearest grocery stores are Walmart's, and the Walmart's <clears throat> are miles away. And you deal uh, with people in, yes, who are see. in yeah, like poverty stricken areas, right? If where you, they if can't you afford the groceries, yeah. they can't afford the groceries, they can't afford to get to the place to get the groceries. Exactly. And so now you have these convenience stores that are popping up so that's why you see a family dollar and a dollar general in every neighborhood yeah. uh, selling unhealthy right. produce and, or, or and, whatever and then like stale bananas and, right. and, and oranges and stuff which all of that stuff is coming from leftover produce from the grocery store they not selling it no and right. so they send that stuff yeah. to the family dollars and the dollar. But yeah. also, shout out to organizations like Delta Rides, uh-huh. which is a great organization. Yeah, Delta, I just found who, out about that. And what yeah. they do is provide transportation for, uh, you know, mostly elderly folks uh-huh. within uh, those those small towns in the Delta where you they need they still need to go into the city to get medicine. So shout out to those type of organizations. It's for people sure. out there that are still trying to do the work. Most definitely. To, to, to help them folks. There's Happy Foods Corps with yeah. Robbie Pollard and he also helps with uh, uh, Delta Fresh mm-hmm. which is uh, basically a, a food coalition where yeah. they got farms where they raise fresh produce and, and have folks come and pick their own greens and stuff like that, and they educate the youth on how to grow their own fruits and vegetables to yeah, feed themselves. That's, and that's like a prime area in the state of Mississippi, and that is full of uh, potential and specifically money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's predominantly black, and so you know if you make the area prosperous, the black mm-hmm. people become prosperous. That don't equal, right? And so we got to find a way to make the area prosperous, but keep the black people still. But yeah. you you see what they doing? What they took the grocery store away from? Uh, uh, from right there, off the frontage road, right there. But ain't, ain't you got to They finna make it to where them folk got to drive to Clinton. Yes, they got to. They well, if you over there by Mega Evans, uh, Kroger on Fifty Five is far. It is. If you ain't, you know, if you don't have ample transportation. You got to get over there. But think about think the about you, this. Yeah. If you, you just, only can go at a certain time. And the J, the J train ain't working, going over there. That's what I'm saying. If you're working, you can't go via J train. 
Right. Because uh, you at work. Right. And so. How you going to care all them girls? Yeah. Yeah. How you going to care all them girls? God so forbid the they frozen too. And at the time <laughs> in which you can try to get over there. You go to J Trend and you can't do Instacart because Instacart don't come to them neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So them people who who need to go get groceries don't know nothing about no damn Instacart in yeah. the first place. Well, I'm just making the point that it's very difficult for them to be able to get what they need to get. They don't. <laughs> um, so you know they can't. Again, that's that's another tactic. Yes, those places don't deliver in areas of need because those are considered to be high crime poverty areas or whatever so they're not bringing anything over there to those people yeah uh and so you know you just you know it's the stuff is happening right in front of us you know we just we can't be oblivious to it um and you know we all got a part to play shout out to all those organizations that are doing the work and continue to do the work and you know, I would challenge anybody uh, who listens to this to, you know, all the organizations that we named and hopefully, you know, we'll tag some more or whatever whenever we post this. Vol- volunteer so, Mississippi. We shouting out them too. There you um, go. You so, go uh, volunteer with them folks and get with these organizations. So people can get involved and be, you know, because it's kind of time out for black folks to be reactive. I mean, the Broward Arts Center. Being saying that, we black people have been reactive for a long time. And, and the Democratic Party been reacting for a long time. We need to be on the offensive. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, Boy, I know. We need that's to, a whole nother podcast I know, right there. But we as black people need hey, to. Sorry, I, I know. God damn. But those those uh, organizations that we just mentioned, you know, they're black people at the helm that are really trying to you know, utilize their gifts to just, just help. You know, it don't take a lot of money to 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 organize, you know. Um and that that's the that's the main thing that we should learn from our history is that our people did a whole lot with nothing. Where it was students. Even if we talk about like some of the major players in the civil rights movement, they like Bruh. Yeah. I mean, Martin Luther <laughs> King was like 20-something. Right. When he get, really got on, he they, wasn't 35. David Dennis, dad, and them was like 18, 19. Bruh, they wasn't like, like college, like they wasn't like 45. School, like, they was like kids. They was right. kids. You know, Megan yeah. Evers, you know, he, he investigated the Emmett Till murder, Emmett Till lynching, like right after his graduation from uh, Alcorn. Like he went to he went to work with TRM Howard in Mount Bayou, and then you know in '54, '55, uh, '55 is when it happened when Emmett Till was killed, and he and TRM Howard were helping to you know house witnesses, and Mega Evers was actually doing investigative work, getting notes for the NAACP, and then that really catapulted him into him being the first. Uh, field secretary for the NAACP for the state of Mississippi. So, you know, like that, the, the like you said, it don't take, you don't have to wait your turn. A lot of a lot of older people have said, well, you got to pay your dues, son. You got to pay your dues for you get in here, especially with politics. Mm-hmm. Nah, if you want to shake some shit up, man, go. If you got the vision, God put it in your heart, you ain't got to wait because the longer you wait, that's the longer somebody else going to jump in front of you, the yeah. longer your vision is not going to be realized. Mm-hmm. 
you know um so you just got to get in there and do it you know what i'm saying you how how many times people said did people tell you how i don't know steven probably wait to do this you know what i'm saying i know you said that yo you your people your family had kind of had pieces and uh, uh had the same mindset at one time to buy this place and then they all backed out and what if you had backed out you know what i'm saying we yeah, wouldn't I, have- I i definitely had co-workers um it's not like Because this, this is pay you might just want pessimistic and, and man, if if you only understood like where I'm at in my faith now, mm-hmm. it's 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 in a a very interesting place because it's like if God put something on my heart at this point, it's like oh, it's already been decided. It's yeah. already the provision is already there. So I'm like I'm not even in the driver's seat anymore. I'm just like all right, where are we going? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm. I'm gonna kick my feet, but that's also yeah. a condition too. That's how you know. That's how they th- they they're they're uh, conditioned to think. Oh well, you, I gotta keep this job to make sure I got insurance, or you know, I got a, a good decent job. Like I'm not even thinking about you know like something bigger than myself or my dreams or anything like that. Yeah, it's just like I'm just stuck in this place, and then when somebody else is doing what I wish I was doing, instead of encouraging them. I'm gonna try to talk him out of it. Like, oh, Steven, don't do that. You know, like, right. you, like you said, it's, just, it's wild, bro. And 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 I and I don't, I don't and I don't even blame people yeah, anymore yeah. for for that for that sight or that that thought process because you know you didn't get the vision. Yeah. Like how you know. I can't blame you for what you don't see. It wasn't put in front of you. It wasn't put on your heart. So it's like you know. that's that's so true. You know, and I think. You know, like, I've, I've experienced this and have, like, family members. Not my mama. Now, my mama going to always ride for me. But, like, her other family members be like, I don't know, John. Probably shouldn't do that. You know, I don't know, John. Probably shouldn't do that. And it hurt. But when I go home and I think about it, I'm like you. You know, I can't be upset with them because if you look at it, they're not in the same lane. You know, like, if and they and they're looking at it like, wow, that dream is very big. That dream is very big, and I don't want my my loved one to get out and you know and get this big dream, and then it don't come to fruition. And I think, and that's how I started thinking about it. I don't want, man, my family trying to throw me down, man. They trying to push no, me they down. They want to protect you. They are trying to protect you know, me, they, but yeah. like you said, not every dream ain't for everybody. And a dream is not one size fit all. You know what I'm saying? You know, if if Ralph Abernathy had had the same dream as Martin Luther King, probably wouldn't have got done. You know what I'm saying? If Bear Rustin had been a different guy, you know what I'm saying? Probably wouldn't have had to march on Washington. So, like, you know, you think about that, you know, like, I think Denzel said it. And I, and I, and I, and I, I like this quote. He basically said, like, God, like, dreams, uh, he said he had two things about dreams. But he basically said, like, if, if you have that, if you can see it already, God put it in your mind. It's already there. You just got to go get, like you said, you just be an autopilot and go get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let God guide you there because, it, like, for you to even come up with that in your mind is half the battle. Like, for you to even come up with that in your mind is half the battle because you, you, you know, if you think, you know, this medical, metaphysical place and things and everything like that, like, it all has to start in the mind. Like, BAC did not start here it started in your mind mm-hmm. and then you was able to take that into 
You know what I'm saying? Y'all's careers that you got. It didn't start on the stage. It started in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, my my career, like, for, for, for the longest time, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm the biggest advocate for try everything. You know what I'm saying? I tell, when I, I go back to St. Andrews a lot, and I, I'm on the, um, I'm actually the alumni board president for the alumni board of directors mm-hmm. now. And so I give back a lot to those kids, and those kids get a lot of pressure on them by their parents who are doctors, lawyers, whatever, and they got to go to the best school and da da And I'm like, y'all, like, I'm telling you, like, you can say that you want to be an anesthesiologist your freshman year in college when you're at Yale. But that that shit is going to (laughs) change because life hasn't hit you yet. You are living in a bubble, okay? When that bubble breaks and you not relying on mama and daddy no more and you seeing the world for what it is, you may switch up. You may say, you know what? I don't know. I may take on a life of service. I don't know how being an anesthesiologist is going to help change the world, how it's going to change my people. You know what I'm saying? I might want to be a social worker. You know what I'm saying? And you got to be okay with that. Because your parents may say, I'm not going to be spending all this money just for you to waste your time on some major that's not going to make no money. Don't. Look, you got to do what's best for you. Because what's going to happen is you're going to spend all that time being an engineer. And then you're going to get graduate. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to quit your job anyway. Because you don't like what you're doing. I have friends to do that. Become whole engineers making 100K out the gate when they graduated. Three years later, they said, man, fuck this. I do not want to do this anymore. And changed their whole life around. Because they didn't, they was trying to follow this mold that their parents told them that they had to follow. And I'll be the first one to say, man, fuck your parents. At the end of the day. I'm just saying. I would <laughs> On that note. <laughs> I was I'm just not saying. ready for that. That ain't what I thought he was going to say, bro. No. Fuck well, your just, parents. I'm, just, I'm, the, I'm the first one to say. I'm the first them one to say it. Fuck your parents. But in a respectful way. You mom and dad. In a respectful way. In a respectful way. Oh, because shit. at the end of the day. And I look. I'm going to tell you this. I tell my grandma this all the time. My grandma say, Mike, John, I wish you'd get your hair different. Cause your hair ain't like I want it to be and this and that. Like, oh, man. When I had when I had my lock, she was like, man, I get that shit out your head, John. Hey. <laughs> and then, like, it, one day, like, I literally was applying for law school. And she was like, I, you, I, don't, I don't know about you being a lawyer, man. Then you go teach somewhere. I can see you being a good teacher. But I'm just like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I literally tell her, Granny. Was I there to teach? Was I there to tell you? I thought he was going to say, fuck but, you, No, 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 no. That, no. that would have been epic. No, no, hey, no. Like she would have snatched the, the black off me. And I got a lot of black on me. And she would have snatched <laughs> oh, it all oh, off. Absolutely. Yes. But, I'm just saying for a comedic purpose. Oh, the the way that you built that up. Yeah, no, no. Fuck Granny would have been perfect. <laughs> no, I said Granny. Granny, if you Was I there to dictate what to you, what you do to your, what you did in your life? Yeah. Was I at the beauty shop? When you was getting your hair done, I said, uh, you need to do this. You need to yeah, do the yeah. uh, finger waves instead of the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the twist. Yeah. She was like, no. I said, did I ask you for your money to get my hair cut? Or get my, no. I said, okay then. You live your life and I'm going to live mine. I'm grown now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's how you got to be. You're just like, you know what? I got to make my decisions for myself because I'd hate to be living down the line. And I, like, my parents have passed away. 
and I'm living a life for them and not for me. And they gone. And I'm sitting here like, what am I doing? You know? You don't know who you are and don't. What, what you're doing. Exactly. Like, this ain't even my life. It's going to hit you one day. Like, this ain't you. even my life. Exactly. Now you 56, trying to go rap. <laughs> I'm just saying. Why are we even stopping? We done ran through the whole damn episode. We might as well just go on on, get to the end of now. You finna take a break. Please. Why are we taking a break? We've been on 48 minutes. What you gonna write about at 56? Right? Like, what you gonna do? That's all I'm saying. We've been on 48 minutes, bruh. Killer Mike was was 48. I'm just saying, man. Like, you don't wanna be, you don't want to live your life for somebody else all the way up until a point where you have gotten up in age and you realize. This ain't even me or my life. Right. Like, you don't want to be that. Yeah, you know, like, this ain't me or my life. And that's not saying that you can't get out there and try to figure some things out and, you know, live whatever life you feel like you're supposed to be living at that Mm -hmm. particular point. But I will go and say that it's going to be very difficult to do maybe a lot of the things that you thought you may have wanted to do. Right. When you get up in age, that's well, you. Just it's, it's it's managing expectations and and what you want out of it because there are actors that started their careers later in life. Now, am I gonna try to be a, a swimsuit model at uh you know at sixty five? No, but like you have actors like. Why you being ages? Why you being ages, fifth? Because 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 Nia Long, in her her eighty years of glory, could still do it. That's right. But nah, man. But um, but yeah, we do need to we do need to close. So yeah, we didn't really get to the meat yet, man. We didn't get to no meat, man. Part two, we gonna bring your ass back. That nigga got a wife and kids. We gotta go home. There's some shit you need to learn. You finna get married. Don't fuck that's, your family up trying to be in here talking about black history. That's true. <laughs> you gonna be black history. <laughs> Olivia is sick, right? <laughs> Olivia is sick right now talking about when you come home, can you make me a grilled cheese? <laughs> you better get that bag of grilled cheese or something soon. Right. <laughs> now, Olivia, get well soon, girl. That boy said he got to go home. Got to go home and, and make me a little grilled cheese. She said I make the best grilled cheese. Hey, boy, that is a hell of a request when you Sick. You like, got to get that mini uh, little that, tomato soup, that little cheese. mini cast down skillet out. You got, you got to flip. Oh yeah, you got to flip. I went. I bought her uh, for Christmas. I bought a whole new set of pots and pans because she likes to cook and bake. You know, but I feel like I'm gonna be I using the pots like and pans tonight. We should record at their house <laughs> when she get better. Yeah, I don't want to play now, my food. Now, now, look, she she got she make the best yeah. spaghetti. I don't know how y'all like y'all spaghetti. Oh, shit. But she That's how she got your motherfucking Nah, and she from South Carolina, too. So you know what they do in South Carolina. You know what they... Big finger ass, man. (laughs) (laughs) All I did. Stop touching. Oh, man. I got to edit all that out. Oh, man. I was about to put it say this on the air, man. You... I want to say that say this on that. I'm we still do. on that. I really <laughs> hope that you keep this shit in. Yeah, because I want to. I want to say this. I hope you do. Go, go she, she got me because you was talking about spaghetti, and that's how she got me because you know she's from South Carolina. Mm. 
Okay. Charleston. Well, she's originally from Green Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she stayed in Charleston a long time. A long time, working there, and you know she, she learned from the folk. from the Gullah Geechee yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. She black folk. And she, you know, there's a little thing with the Gullah Geechee folks. You know what I'm saying? With the spaghetti and getting oh, the man. Yeah. Oh you know gosh. I didn't even think about <laughs> that. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Gotcha. And, I, yeah. and and she say she don't do that, but she may have. I don't know because I love she that woman. Ain't gonna tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she done buried this man's drawers outside. He thought that was minced garlic. They were rabbit teeth. Prayed over that shit. Because the, the pasta sauce she make, I love it. <laughs> it's the best sauce. She in there making pasta sauce from scratch. Hey, bruh, I'll yeah. whoop your ass. You <laughs> mess this up. Don't you mess, can't mess this up. You done out kick oh, your no. coverage. They Don't you ruin it. And, and she famous. Yeah, yeah man. Smart. Don't ruin this for us. Do not ruin this for us. No, man. We all stand to benefit from your marriage, man. Yes, I can't sir. tell you how much I've been exponentially blessed by Jessica coming in, the, in the, this boy life. Yes. Don't fuck this up. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's why you finna get married. You're going get to the mad. courthouse tomorrow. Y'all just have to You know what? She, she tell me all the time. She's like, John, you know, you the one. It's, y'all. Gonna, it's, it's your fault, bro. She, Listen. She's like, I can go get married with you to, to you like tomorrow, today, if you want to. But that's what I'm with. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of eloping mm-hmm. and then having a big party later. Mm-hmm. Because the wedding needs to be about y'all. The wedding about y'all and nobody else. <laughs> and if and it's... Like it, it'll get away from you quick if you let other people Bruh, like take their already. their plans and run with it. My mama doing this and that. My sister getting mm-hmm. in it. This and mm-hmm. that. This ain't y'all wedding no more. I'm just like, oh. man, y'all seen what Zach and Kelly did? You been going goddamn elope, my boy? You know what? It would save us a lot of money, and we can just put that money into buying a, a a house, a bigger house, and there you go. Get prepared for the for the little one. Man, yeah, listen, I'm gonna tell you, y'all go on to the just of your peace on your lunch break. Go on, get married, <laughs> and then just invite everybody out to free Turn up, go and they just all drinks on them. Yeah, right. Free before let me in the goddamn way. They gonna be they gonna get you aristocrat if you fuck with Bach. But yeah. either way, you gonna be blessed. Come on. This is a great time to end this episode. Uh, we can go to Johnny T's, though. That'd be dope. Yeah, that shit. Nah. Don't go to Johnny T's. $48 for one day. <laughs> no. no. All ice. All ice. <laughs> hey, but the food hitting, though. I be drinking no, the my food ice. Is, this is the cup I gargle with. Man, man. Man. Then they give me them, 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 uh, them doctors off the cup. Right. <laughs> you don't give me no real gas in this moment. <laughs> This last pork mouthwash. 2.5 ounce cup. Fuck wrong with you. $18 for a crown. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, we in New York City. Damn. I can get a few bottles. Right. For sure. I mean, I ain't. Yeah. Look, John T, we love you. Your price is your price. I ain't even. That's right. But goddamn. That's I, right. I, I, That's right. I can afford it. But, but yeah. shit. Man, I fuck with the fuck. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, John, thank you so much for coming out, man, <laughs> and chatting. We're going to have to do a part two so we can really dig into. The historical part, and for part two, we'll bring uh, Leah back. Okay, so, yeah. and y'all, she don't long as y'all be all. No, we ain't gonna be all. Okay, but if right. you gonna ask us about Mississippi? I mean, I told her everything she know about Mississippi. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Just saying. She, is she gonna listen to this? <laughs> yeah, she gonna listen to it. He apologize. He she don't, knows he don't the know truth. <laughs> the reason why she's in Jackson, Mississippi, right now is because of me. Oh, okay. And your boy, she moved here because of your boy. Come on, okay. Come on, she is a Jacksonian. She got. A whole her her license plate change, <laughs> her her license change, yeah. her so whole she got resident. flued in. She got flued in. 
one way ticket. One way ticket. Because I show flew in. Come on. We'll go, we'll go visit here and there, but you here. You here. But you here. That's here, what I'm talking about. But real quick, man, John, uh, just again, tell the people exactly who you work for and how they can get in touch with your organization. So, uh, again, uh, I work for the Mississippi Humanities Council. And what we do is we administer grants um, throughout the state of Mississippi, federal funds, you know. But again, this is for humanities work. So history, we do uh, work with libraries, museums, cultural sites. And if you want to like, if you work for like a town or something like that, and you want to uplift a a story or an event that happened, uh, like specifically what's going on with Cottrell Street, and uh, West Point. West Point has a cultural street festival that uplifts the black history and the black excellence and that's on that street and how it used to be not only an economic hub for black people but a hub for civil rights. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do something like that, the Humanities Council can help fund festivals like that. So awesome. um, get at me at uh, jspan at mhc.state.ms.us or you can just learn more about the Humanities Council at mshumanities.org. So. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, Merck, what you got coming up? Just uh, follow me. I know it's, we press for time, but just follow me on social media. I got a lot of really big stuff, you know, some stuff that's still not finalized, but it's on the way. Uh, so just follow me on social media and all the other good stuff. And, uh, yeah, you'll see me post about it. All right. Uh, Steve, fifth chair. February is closed. <laughs> Meaning, like, don't <laughs> ask me change. nothing. Don't ask me to attend nothing. Don't ask to do nothing at BAC. Like, February is jam packed yeah, sure full damn. of stuff. So, um, but yeah, and that's and that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't regard it as anything else to be um, to be booked up and busy like that. But I do. I am performing at the MLK Night of Culture uh, on the seventeenth. There you go, my old and, stomping uh, ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, so there's plenty of other stuff going on. Like BAC has a whole calendar for February, so I would like for you to stop by and get a copy of the calendar that you can take home with you. Not that physical calendar. The the JPS uh, lunch calendar. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Uh yeah. Uh, so vibe control stuff real quick, man. Uh tomorrow night, y'all hear this on Thursday, but uh, on Tuesday, uh, uh the vibe controls are one of the honorees. Uh, at an awards banquet uh, for the Moore Organization, the Mississippi Organization, yeah. the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agents. Uh, That's right. Agency. Uh, so we'll be one of the honorees tomorrow night at the. Uh, Yo, congratulations! Thank you so much, real, man. Real quick, yeah. I was talking about my mother earlier. You know, she <coughs> is a recipient of a um, organ. I did not know that. Yeah, she. Wow. She cool. went through. Um, she had lupus, and the lupus attacked her kidneys, and she mm-hmm. went through renal failure. But she was able to get a kidney through a donor man, that's and amazing. changed her life. Now she went from going on dialysis to jumping out of planes. Come on, that's man. a blessing. It's, killing look, deer. Come on. Look, killing deer. <laughs> look, that was the, when she, when she, after she had her surgery, that was the first time I ever cried tears of joy. When I tell my, my story through about my mom through my eyes, mm. I can't help but cry because mm. I just went through a lot as a, a male mm. and my father died and I had to be strong for the family. But um, yeah, just seeing her, just her whole life change, is it's a blessing. So great, I'm glad y'all are working with them because yeah. those those donors are look, 
donors, those organ donors save lives Absolutely. and it changed lives. <laughs> yeah. So if you can and you want to be an organ donor, you want to learn more about being an organ donor, go look at Mora, M-O-R-A. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I saw y'all on the billboard. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, them boys doing, them boys doing the shit. Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. Hey, we just, we blessed and highly favored. We just you trying to saying? do what we can, man. Uh, so yeah, we'll be doing that this week. Uh, then uh, our birthday is this week, so we're gonna be celebrating. Okay. Mardi Gras. Our official birthday is this week, so we'll be celebrating this Friday. We'll be celebrating Mardi Gras. Where we weekend. turning up at? Uh, we gonna be on the coast. Oh, I ain't invited. Weekend. I ain't invited. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Pull up on down then. We we'll be on the coast. We'll be on the coast all weekend celebrating uh, Mardi Gras uh, the entire weekend and then. Immobile. Uh, no, no we gonna be we gonna be in Pass Christian Gulfport. We gonna be in that area. Pass is what's up. But officially. Uh, get you an all black outfit and pull up to Center Stage uh, Event Center on February 23rd for the Nash Bash. Ah, uh, that's Olivia's. That's Olivia's uh, birthday. So oh well, no, you will not we be. be We're gonna be in to Memphis. The Nash all right. Uh, we are drinking some. Okay. We, not a paid promotion. We, it ain't. <laughs> but yeah. So anything else y'all want to find out about what we got going on? Because we got a, uh, a lot of stuff coming up in the next few months. Uh, you can check us out on. Um, Instagram and Facebook. Go ahead, brother. Can I, I just want to drop two books for Black History Month. Go ahead, man. All right. So, like I said, my my brother, um, brother Bobby Smith, he's got a book out called Food, Power, and Politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me just get the Food, Power, Politics. Yeah, Food, Power, Politics, the food story of the Mississippi Civil Rights Movement. It's um, <coughs> a great story that talks about food being used as a weapon from the, from the civil rights movement here in the state mm-hmm. all the way to present day. And then also a great a great book. I, I consider it the Bible uh, for Mississippi civil rights. It's called Local People by John Dittmer. He's a white guy, but he did his stuff. He did his research. Okay. A lot of the local folks like Vernon Damer, Annie Devine, Aaron Henry, folks that you don't know, uh, C.O. Chin, people that, that shot back. Mm. People like uh, uh, Dovey Hudson, uh, these women and men, they they was they was armed and ready. They wasn't no turn the other cheek motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I'm saying? So uh, go and get those books, learn more about your history. And if you have questions, ask. You got a phone on you that's like a it's a walking, it's a computer, portable computer. Look it up. That's it. So, all right, man. Uh, so as always, before we leave you, we like to leave you with a little nugget or something. Carry on. Now a minute, whenever you listen, as a customer, we like our guests to leave folk with a little, some inspiration, like carry on. We know you got some. Uh, so drop something on the people, John. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'll just reiterate what we has just stated. I want to make it clear. You have the ability to change your community, your surroundings, whatever, within you. God has given you talent, God has given you the ability, God has given you the vision. You don't have to wait for somebody to come out the sky to make a difference or make a move. You move. Yeah. Right? You move. You can inspire somebody else to move. But it's gonna take you to move. Somebody may think you're crazy. Somebody may think that you, you know, that you're not well equipped to do what you're doing. But as long as it's in your heart, God put it in your mind, the vision, see it through. You know, you know, don't you know, Mega Evers, and, and I would just say in general, the Mississippi Civil Rights Movement did not wait for 
a Martin Luther King to come from you know Georgia to come here. Mm -hmm. There was networks and people already moving. So I'm gonna just say that. Yeah. If you got yeah. something on your heart and you waiting around, you just gonna keep waiting. You know what I'm saying? Go yeah. ahead, make a plan, make a timeline, and get up and move. That's it. Get up and move. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank y'all so much for tapping in with us. Happy birthday to us. We out. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Uh, Merc. Y'all stay up, stay blessed, stay free. Share that shit. DJ Big Nick. <laughs> All right, as customer here, before we get out of here, because we can't go home until you do it. Oh, uh, two things up means peace to the sack of them chips. But yeah. Uh, so we can't leave until you, till you do it. And if you don't know what it is, uh, you got to say out here, but you got to say it like this. Out here. Out here. Hell yeah. One take. I'm so damn sleepy. <laughs> Thank you. One take. Thank you so much. Out here. <laughs>